immediately I, I just knew that I was going to prison and it was up to me what I was going to do with that experience to change my life for the better. And that's where I took my mindset early on. What's shaking? Welcome back to the All In Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Jordan. Today, 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 my guest at the age of 23 was sentenced to seven years in prison for a crime that he didn't commit. And he learned a whole bunch of new daily routines that were all adjusted and allowed him to create just new outcomes and results within his life. This is going to be a powerhouse day with my guest, Sean Crane. What's up, brother? What's up, my man? I'm hey. excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. The, of course, you know, the, this is the crazy thing. And I, I don't, dude, I don't even care what the crime was that you didn't commit, but that's got to be like weird, depressing, you know, when you get sentenced to something like that, right? Yeah. Well, because of the crime and the severity of the van, we can get into that, in the, into the details. Uh, it was surreal. It was like being in a nightmare that you never wake up from and you can't believe it's become your reality. My goodness, man. What was that? Was this something that just kind of hit you suddenly or did it come on slowly over time? As far as the severity of the event and just how it impacted me? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like my whole life was honestly leading up to those moments. Um, huh. It's it, yeah, it's hard to describe, but I was just going down such a dark path in my life and I felt stuck and hopeless. And ironically, going to prison was kind of like the light at the end of the tunnel or provided me an opportunity to make a shift in the way I was living that I desperately needed. Wow. Wow, man. There's a, I'm trying to wrap my head around this because I had a buddy a few years ago too, that had kind of a similar story. And while it was something that he did, he was actually drugged it, it, to put him in the position to where he would do this. You know, so he, he was, his state of consciousness was altered. I mean, literal, like illicit drugs that he didn't even know was in his drink. Right. <laughs> and then while he was on these things, he went into it, but then he was made an example out of because the same exact crime that somebody else committed just, you know, a month later, and now it was past the point of reelection for everyone else. You know, some of the judges and everything else that they just made an example out of him and sentenced him to like 16 years in prison when somebody else got like 16 weeks of probation for the same exact thing. You know, what was your experience going through that process? You know, did you feel, feel like it was fair or what was it kind of biased? Yeah. So the legal system is not designed to find people innocent. It's designed to prosecute people. And, you know, I don't find fault with the DA or the judge in my case, because so many people come through their doors who have committed horrible crimes. And I think they kind of get tunnel vision. Like they look at what the police report is. They make a, you know, a judgment call. And then they usually offer the individual a plea deal, which is a lot of time behind bars. And the DA in my case, her conviction rate was 99%. You know, they get promotions and they get um, accolades based on their conviction rate. So uh, to be honest with you, though, I didn't waste any time or energy being upset or resentful. Even my lawyers thought I was guilty and they didn't do anything. The police report looked horrible. When I read it, I knew right then and there that I was going to prison because they wrote it up to really paint this grim picture of me. So. I could have wasted a lot of time and energy trying to fight that or be upset, 
But immediately I, I just knew that I was going to prison and it was up to me what I was going to do with that experience to change my life for the better. And that's where I took my mindset early on. That's awesome, man. So even when you started going through this process prior to sentencing, because I know that's like the, you know, it's like the hammer drop moment. I mean, almost literally right with a gavel at the sentencing. So you started preparing mindset even before that point. Yeah. Yeah. Like I previously mentioned, you know, unconsciously I was, I was like waiting for something to happen in my life that would, that would just shake me to the core. To, Why to is that, dude? So early on in my childhood, I had big dreams. I was an athlete. I was full of life and energy. I love my life. Yeah. And at home, there was a lot of things going on that caused me pain uh, emotionally, just, you know, traumatized me. And uh, at 14, my dad went to prison. My freshman year, my first month, he gets sentenced to prison. And it happened in a really traumatic fashion. He was arrested in front of us at gunpoint in front of my house. The whole neighborhood knew about it. My family, kids at school. And then, you know, months later, my mom had battled addiction her whole life and she left us. So within a couple of months, I lost my dad and my mother, both related to addiction. Uh, and thank God I had my uncle Mike there to raise me and my siblings and to take care of us. But what happened is I was shattered. I was broken on the inside. So I went from this fun, loving kid with big dreams, with so much passion and drive to a broken individual, not really knowing how to cope with this, not wanting to, to even be alive in this new life. Like I couldn't believe this had happened to me. So what I did is I started following in my parents' footsteps and using drugs and alcohol to numb my feelings and to check out. And I stopped pursuing my goals. I stopped going to school. I really went down this dark path um, and I lost my identity in the process. So by the time I found myself in that jail cell, this had been a decade of just fighting and battling through each day to try to find some hope or something to cling on to, to get me through the day. And I didn't realize it, but I was carrying this huge weight on my shoulders and I had so much internal trauma that I hadn't dealt with. By the time I got to that cell, I just felt like, wow, I needed this. This like, I'm ready to let go of that stuff from the past. I don't want to be a prisoner up here anymore. And how ironic that I had to be incarcerated in a physical cell to realize I had been a prisoner in here for decades. Wow. When you're in there, man, I mean, it, it almost sounds like you started this realization ahead of time, right? But when you were in, was there this defining moment for you to where you made that shift? I mean, because you were prepared. I hear that. But when you got in, wasn't like, all right, I'm here. Let's do this. Yeah. So I was prepared, but I didn't know it. You know, I knew that I was living the life that I didn't want. I knew that I felt stuck. I was addicted to drugs and alcohol, and I didn't know how to change. So by the time I got to that jail cell and I started coming off the drugs and alcohol and the severity of my situation, it was so surreal that it impacted me to the core. So I was very alert. I was like my senses, everything was heightened in that moment. And then I started to accumulate some sobriety and a month or two went past um, while I was incarcerated where I was going to court and I realized they're not just going to kick me out. It wasn't a case of missing, mis identity, mistaken identity. They were actually saying, Sean, you did this. We're going to send you to prison. So after those, um, first months of me being hopeful, like maybe this will all go away. Maybe I'll be let out and everything will go back to normal. I started to, to look within, I was stuck in this cell 23 hours a day. And now I'm starting to feel alive for the first time in 10 or 15 years. Cause I'm not numb anymore. And I just started to reflect honestly with myself for the first time in my life. 
And I felt immense guilt and regret for the way I lived my life. I didn't feel guilty for the crime they were um, trying to convict me of because I knew I was innocent. But I had immense regret and guilt for neglecting my life, for allowing my dreams to pass me by, and for living as a shadow of the person I felt in my heart I could be. So I started to have these breakthroughs about my part. You know, my my responsibility had to 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 be like brought forth for me to change, right? I had to take responsibility for my actions. And so I started to see that truth and I started to recognize my fault, my part and everything. And that's where the the change started to take place. Um, So, you know, as I'm going to court and I'm in this cell all day long reflecting, one of the major breakthroughs that I had was a day in a holding cell at court. They take you out at six in the morning They take you down to the courthouse and you're there all day and you're shackled up like this uh, in a holding cell. On this particular day, I was the last one to be seen. So I was in that holding cell from 6 a.m. until 4 p.m., just like this, shackled up, you know, and there was people talking and then they would go and all of a sudden I was by myself and I was just reflecting on my life. Like, how did I get to this point? What what happened? And uh, I was thinking about my drug use and how I identified so heavily with being uh, an addict. And I just realized in that moment, you never have to use drugs or alcohol ever again. And it wasn't a question. It was like a definitive statement. Before that, I didn't see myself as somebody who could live life and enjoy life free of drugs or alcohol. That's how I coped. And that's what I used, you know, for so many years. And that was a monumental realization for me because now I had this new reality that was created from that thought. I had a new identity that I could start to to embody. And so that was a really big step for me in the right direction. Man, I'm picking up on the very precise words that you're using as you're describing this, especially that pivotal moment where you said, I don't have to use drugs and alcohol again. The inversely of that, I'm assuming that prior to that moment, you felt like you needed to, like that was the only way to get through life. Is that right? Absolutely. I mean, I remember thinking, how could I be sober? How could people be sober and enjoy their lives? That's how miserable I was and heartbroken. You know, I couldn't see myself not needing some foreign substance to feel all right inside. That's how shattered I was. So that moment for me was, was indescribable. I don't have to, I don't have to, like you said, those, and the the way that thought hit me, it came out of nowhere. And it shook me to the core because it wasn't a question. It wasn't an, a hopeful answer. It was a, a declaration. Like, I don't have to ever again. That was nine years ago. I've been clean and sober ever since that moment. That's awesome. Something man. changed up here forever in that moment for me. That's awesome, brother. Because it is a form of abuse, right? And it's, uh, I've always hated when people say, hey, you abuse drugs, you abuse alcohol, you abuse whatever else. But it's really, those are just the, the vehicles. That's all it is because the abuse is really, you're putting yourself into a position of where you're abusing your own self. Uh, Absolutely. uh, That, that I don't have to do that anymore. That's incredible. Cause it's almost like you're the abused and you're the abuser in just one person. It's this weird dichotomy of psychology, you know, and it's cool because it's like that person who was being abused. That's who you were in that holding cell saying, I don't have to do this anymore. I can separate myself 
from that environment and really because you were forced to separate yourself from that environment too. But it, do you feel like you attracted this event in your life in some way to where it was like this person who was being abused by your own self was saying, hey, let me out? I, you know, the way that that event that night unfolded, it was so bizarre. I mean, every little detail, I went back and reflect minute to minute how everything transpired a thousand times. And I feel like it was a book written before I even got into that moment in time. Like every little detail, the conversations, the actions, everything had to line up perfectly for me to be accused and convicted. And it saved my life. So I know it happened. In my heart, this is what I feel that it happened for a specific purpose. I mean, if you look at my life when I was 21 and you look at my life at 31 last year, um, you, you could see it. I mean, it's like night and day, man. And so... It's been incredible, to be honest with you. Dude, you can see it in your face, too. I mean, anyone who's listening to this on Apple Podcast or something, go to YouTube. Because, I mean, while Sean's talking about this, and he's like, the difference between night and day, I, your face lights up, brother, just as you're saying that. You know, same with like the, I don't have to do this anymore. Your face just lights up when that happens. It's noticeable. That's awesome. Yeah, man. <laughs> cool. So when, when you're in, what was your experience like in prison? Cause I mean, you, you started in that a little bit to where you're saying 23 hours a day, you're in a, you're in a cell, you know, what's that like? And what was your specific experience? Because I'm sure the type of confinement you were in had to do with the type of crime. Yeah. Yeah. So I was charged with a violent crime. I mean, I was charged with attempted murder. That's, you know, really serious. And so I was looking at a life sentence initially and it was no joke. You know, it's not like you're going, going away for a year and you get to come home and live your life. I was looking at my life being done. And, you know, thankfully that it was that serious because I, I realized in that moment, you know, when your life's done, you want to look back. This is me personally. I want to look back and say, I gave my all to every day. There's nothing that I wish I would have done differently because, you know, I understood how precious and valuable this journey is. And I soaked it up. Unfortunately, most people don't have that perspective. And I didn't early on. And I neglected so many moments in my life. I wasted so many opportunities. I made so many excuses and lied to myself. So now I'm in this cell by myself and I'm realizing, wow, I didn't do anything that in my heart I wanted to do. I allowed fear, self-doubt, other people's opinions to dictate the way I lived my life. That feeling was horrible. It was that regret that just ate through you know, to my heart and just crushed me. So in that moment in the cell, I had a feeling that I wasn't going to do the rest of my life in prison. I had a feeling they were going to offer me some type of plea deal or something would happen. I didn't know, but I just made a, a definitive like statement to myself. Like I told you earlier, a declaration about my story. I made one and I said, no matter where I go or what I do for the rest of my life, I'm going to give my all to everything I do. And I'm never going to falter from being my true self ever again for anybody or anything. And that moment is when I found peace inside a jail cell. I found more freedom in that moment than I had my entire life because my whole life, I felt internally like a prisoner. Like I couldn't be who I truly wanted to be. I was scared. I was fearful. I was broken. And so that's what I started to do in that jail cell 23 hours a day. I started to give my all to anything I could do to better myself. And it started with the most trivial tasks. In jail, you're very uh, aware of, of hygiene and being clean because it's a dirty place. So inside your cell, you keep it clean. You, you master what you have control over. And so I would clean my floor with a towel 
Um, and I would just clean that floor. Like it was the most important task of my life. And I would give my all to it. And I was just so in the moment, you know? And then when I would work out, I started doing these very intense workouts and just challenging my mind and my body to push harder and harder every day. And I saw that I could challenge myself and persevere. And I started to feel good about that. And I started to feel my body come alive. And then I would read and write all day and I would write letters home. And early on, my spelling was horrible. My writing was horrible. And people would even write back and make comments about how many words I misspelled. And I did not like the way that made me feel. So I started asking my cellmate, hey, how do you spell this word? How do you spell that word? And he got sick and tired of telling me. So one day he threw a little pocket dictionary and it hit me like in the shoulder. He said, look it up. You know, I'd asked him how to spell a word. He said, look it up. And my initial thought was like, this guy, man, like I got kind of irritated. <laughs> what a dick. And yeah. Then yeah, right. I, paused, I paused and like, okay, I'm going to watch what I do with this pocket dictionary. I started looking up every word and any book I could get my hands on, I'd read it. And if I didn't know a word, I'd look up the definition, I'd write it down. And I started memorizing all these words and I started changing my vocabulary. I started, uh, you know, articulating these words when I spoke to people and practicing and, and changing, you know, a lot about me in a short period of time to the point where I could feel my mind starting to come alive. You know, I hadn't educated myself in decades. I didn't go to school. I, I neglected all that. So now I was starting to change. These little actions were starting to have an impact on my self-perception, my character, uh, my confidence. And then I started to believe, wow, these, like this effort and, and me putting my all into these little things can change me over time. And that's when the beginning of my transformation really took place. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, your mentality and that transformation that you went through while you're in prison, what were some of the measurable results that you had? Because I know you said you were learning words, you know, obviously physical, you, I mean, you start to pack on muscle and you can actually see it. That was one of the things that I did when, when I was transforming my men, mental state coming out of a deep state of depression too. But what other signs did you have that you could grasp onto to say, hey, I, there is a real change happening in me? Yeah. Yeah. There's a handful that really stand out to me because we want to get that positive feedback from the universe, the world, people from something. It, yeah. Otherwise it it's keeps just, us yeah. Going, yeah. Right? Otherwise what, what's to look at and who cares if you can't see results? Yeah. So one that is, is an interesting story. Um, my cellmate really liked to write girls. He had pen pals. And so he would always be writing girls letters and he wanted uh, to write a poem to this girl. He really liked but he couldn't, he couldn't put the right words together. So he asked me, and this is when I had just started looking up all these words and trying to educate myself in the cell with a pocket dictionary. So I wrote a poem and it came out really good. And I surprised myself. I didn't know that I could write poetry or put these words together. And she wrote back and she loved it. She was like, you know, over the moon. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you wrote that. He never told her it was me, but I had never put myself out there like that. Like I would always hold back and be the one to say, no, I don't want to do that. And, and just dismiss opportunities or little silly things like that. So for me to go out of my comfort zone and write a poem, that was a really big deal. That showed me, Hey man, you can go and try these new things and you can excel. And even if you don't excel, you can learn and improve over time. So that gave me a lot of confidence in my ability to write, you know, um, creative writing, stuff like that, that I would go on to, to do later on. Um, and then Another, another one. Well, let me, let me continue with that story. So what happened with that was I was looking up words, 
you know, in the dictionary. Some people might not think that's a big deal. I was reading every day. I was writing letters home and I wrote that poem. So I'm coming off of being an individual who's abusing drugs. Didn't try it all in high school. I got a diploma, but I didn't earn it. I had no track record of, of achieving success in any, really any realm of my life. <clears throat> so these were small steps in the right direction. I learned going to prison that they offer a correspondence program for college courses. Had I not started doing that stuff in the county jail, I probably wouldn't have the confidence that I could take college courses and do well. But building on that experience of getting out of my comfort zone and just applying myself, I said, you know what? I got to go for this, man. I wasted so much of my life. I'm in prison. I need to gravitate towards anything positive I can do. So I signed up for college courses and I loved it. It transformed my mentality on so many levels. I got to learn about psychology, you know, biology, um, business, all these fascinating things. So I'm in prison, but I'm educating myself every day. You know, I'm, I'm not even incarcerated in these moments. I felt like a student. I was just absorbing this information day by day and uh, I would apply it, you know, I would apply it, especially the psychology. I would apply it in that setting where I'm around a lot of negativity, a lot of different belief systems and people from different backgrounds. And instead of being judgmental or, you know, getting in conflicts because of that, I would just use it to my advantage to try to understand these individuals. Um, I would go into these day rooms or these um, different settings where you're around inmates. And I would envision myself being a psychologist, learning about people. I wasn't a prisoner. I was, you know, an intern in a prison undercover as a psychologist. And this is the mindset that I had. Because otherwise, you're in a building with a lot of negative people who are violent, who are abusing drugs, and it's a really dreary setting. So <clears throat> doing that gave me purpose every day in prison. And then it allowed me to get college degrees. I ended up getting four degrees because I had time and I wow. applied myself. Yeah, I got four associate's degrees. I didn't give you the opportunity to get bachelor's degrees or master's. Yeah. I would have pursued higher education, but I got degrees in psychology, business, um, humanities through the arts, and then um, social and behavioral sciences or something else. But four degrees. <laughs> and it got, I got something. <laughs> right. And it yeah. got me six months <laughs> off of my sentence. They gave yeah. me six months of credit for earning those degrees. So Wow. Educated myself, changed my perspective, made my time valuable, and then I actually went home early because of that. That's incredible, man. <laughs> you're talking about the other inmates there too, and you're saying it's a lot, of, a lot of negative people. Did you meet anyone else that was like yourself that was using this time to really, you know, if I could use the word, rehabilitate themselves or really better themselves while they were there? Yeah, there's a handful. I mean, honestly, for every hundred guys, you'll come across one. You know, that's the statistic. So. When I did, it was it was nice to talk to people who are like-minded, who want to change. Um, but you know what started? So what happened? The first three years, I was very just tunnel vision on, on my growth, my changes. I, I had so much to do and so much work to do on myself that I couldn't worry about other people. I had to just, every day was an opportunity to get 1% better. So I was doing that. And for the first three years, I really didn't want to talk or engage with people more than I had to. Um, I wasn't rude. I wasn't you know disrespectful but I just limited my conversations and my interactions. So about three years in, you know, something happened where I felt that I could start to, to help other people. Uh, and the, the way this came about was I was automatically put into a drug program because if you have a past record of drug and alcohol abuse or, or stuff of that nature, they automatically enroll you in a program inside the institution for rehabilitation. So I would go into these programs with a positive mindset. Okay, I'm sober. I want to, you know, be sober for the rest of my life. And I'm just going to get the most out of this. 
Most of the guys in there did not want to be there. They were upset for being pulled into these drug programs. Uh, and they were really negative and confrontational with the counselors. So it was a really challenging environment to be in. Um, and after completing the drug and alcohol program, they would ask me to stay on as an inmate counselor. They liked my attitude. They knew, you know, what I wanted to do with my life. So now I'm, I'm mentoring these guys and that's a tough position to be in because I'm an inmate too. They don't want to listen to me. So instead of trying to tell guys what to do or, or to like say, oh, I'm doing great. Follow me. I would just lead by example. They'd see me on the yard the way I worked out. They'd see my daily routines inside the building and how disciplined I was and how I would exercise every day, educate myself. And I had a system that I followed and they would see that I was in good shape. And then inside the drug programs, I started speaking. I started speaking in front of groups of people and sharing my story. And that's something most inmates don't do. They don't want to be vulnerable because they think it makes them weak. So I started to just break all these stigmas by taking positive action. And over time, guys started gravitating towards me. They'd come to me and like, Hey, Sean, can we work out with you? Or, um, Hey, you know, what are you doing? They they were just curious. They, they saw that I was doing something different. And it was in that moment I started mentoring other guys and I realized, wow, this is powerful. And I was seeing them change. I was seeing them get confidence by working out and their mindset would shift. And then they would ask me about college courses. And now they're talking about maybe going home and trying something different than that old job or going back to their old environment. And I saw that I could have an impact, a positive impact on these guys. I knew that I could come home and do the same with people out here. And that's when like, my desire to serve and to help people really um, was illuminated. That's when I really discovered that passion. That's awesome, man. What was the first thing you did when you got out? <laughs> uh, they, they drive you out in this, this van um, beyond the perimeter. And uh, I saw my brother and sister <laughs> so standing glamorous, there. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, so you get put in the holding cell and they give you what they call your dress outs. First time you get to wear regular clothes in five and a half years. I'm wearing a jumpsuit and like whatever clothes you can get sent in on a package. Nothing like you get out here. So I felt so good putting on, you know, the Nikes that my brother sent me or whatever shorts he sent me in a shirt. I was like, wow, this is it. The first thing I did, I stepped out of that van. I just looked up at the sky and just howled. I just let out this, this big howl, like this, this yell, right? Like of, of freedom, kind of like Braveheart. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I just saw my sister standing there and it was, the sunrise was coming up. It was in the desert and it was beautiful out. And I was just taking in all the colors, man. There was so much um, color and everything that I hadn't been used to seeing. And I just gave her and my brother a big hug and we, we got out of there as quickly as we could. <laughs> Did you go eat somewhere right away? I mean, what's <laughs> yeah. So of course you're excited to go eat some, right? It's like, what am I going to eat? That's the first thing. What are we going to do? So we were about two hours away from any establishments. We drove to Denny's and I got a huge breakfast. I got everything you could think of on the menu, chocolate mall. I was just so excited, but uh, you're not used to eating all that food and all those calories. It, it can make you feel kind of sluggish and mess with your stomach a little bit, right? So. Uh, I ate it all. And um, then we drove to Huntington Beach in California and it was beautiful out. It was October, but it was record breaking heat. It was like 95 degrees and the waves were huge. The waves out there were like 10 feet and we hadn't planned this, but there was this little hut right near the, the pier and they, they rent surfboards. So my brother and I actually got surfboards and paddled out in these huge waves. Um, and I hadn't surfed for seven years. You know, I surfed when I was a kid a lot growing up in Santa Barbara, um, but we paddled out and I'll never forget being out in that water 
hours out of my cell, like hours prior, I was in a, uh, a prison and paddling into my first wave. I, I felt like a kid again. I stood up and dropped in on this huge wave and the surge of energy from the ocean just going through me and rode that wave all the way down the beach. And it, it was an unforgettable moment. It was like, I'm back. Like, this is it. I'm back. That's awesome, man. And, and I'm not looking back either. Wow. So you're married and you have kids, right? Yeah. So I'm yeah. married and we have three children. Dude, uh, how old are the kids now? Mason's 10 and a half, actually. Uh, Scarlett is one and a half and Preston's four months. Wow. So your oldest, you were in prison while they were alive, too. Yeah. Yeah. So he's not my biological son, but he's my son, right? I so gotcha. I knew. Yeah. Okay. I actually knew him and I met him before I went to prison. Uh, my wife and I, we had a relationship, not what it is now. And we didn't talk the whole time I was in prison. You know, uh, I had to go on my journey to change myself. Um, and she was taking care of herself and, and Mason. And it was just amazing. The timing, you know, we talk about it all the time because I don't know if either of us ever thought we'd reconnect. She knew my story and where I went and always thought about me. She told me, but we weren't communicating. And one day I was sitting down at breakfast, um, you know, in between sessions at the gym, I was working as a personal trainer at the time. And she was sitting uh, with her dad and Mason having breakfast. And I remember she didn't say hi to me. And we were pretty close before I left, you know, and um, I was like, wow, did I do something that she's upset about? Why didn't, you know, what's going on? And uh, I, I think I contacted her after she contacted me. And then, you know, that was that, man. We just fell madly in love. And it was, it was amazing. I mean, I had been wanting a family so bad. There were so many lonely nights in prison where I would just think, am I going to have children? Am I going to meet that person that I can, you know, um, spend my life with? And uh, it was really important to me because I'm a family man at heart. So to have that relationship with my wife and have my, our children together, it's, it's incredible. That's awesome, man. How do you think you're going to, I'm assuming you are, you're going to tell your kids about your experience at some point in time. How do you think that's going to go? What do you want to instill in them? Yeah. So Mason's 10. He knows. I, I talked to him about six months ago about it because I was writing a book about my experience and he was going to see it. And I didn't want him to hear about my story from anyone else. So I just told him the truth, every little detail, what happened and <laughs> really connecting um, my poor decisions early on growing up because he's 10. He's getting to a really pivotal age, starting 10, 12, 13, how that can lead to really living a life that you're not, you're not happy about how our choices when we're younger are important because that creates the same mentality that we have, you know, when you're 15, 16 high school. And if you make bad choices, the, the punishments are more severe. Then when you get 18 and 19 and you make bad choices, the punishments are even more severe. So I just talked to him about how, you know, I made bad choices when I was a kid and it led me down a bad path. And maybe I didn't commit the crime that sent me to prison, but I wasn't, living the way I wanted. I wasn't being the person that I wanted. So uh, he's really smart and he asks a lot of questions and I always try to be honest, but tie it into a, a message that he can receive now and understand. That's great, my man. Do you keep in touch with anyone from prison? You know, there was a couple guys, a couple guys reach out to me on social media. Um, they see what, what's going on in my life and they're really excited and they check in. There was one uh, younger guy that I was mentoring a little bit and um, he, you know, he did good for a while. He's actually back in prison, which was really sad to see, you know, he's about 10 years younger than me, but 
other than that, not more than a handful of guys that we just touch base on social media. Yeah, that seems to be the case of things for the most part, right? I mean, unless you're like in a gang or something, then you're seeing those dudes every day. <laughs> that's, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I'm a family man. I, you yeah, know, I run that's a business, gang, I'm a busy right? guy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so I spent a lot of time in there, but now it's time to soak up yeah. this time out here with the people I love. Right on, brother. That's awesome. So your book, right? Prison of, prison of Your Own, right? Yeah, Prison of yeah. Your Own. Yeah, that's awesome, man. What's uh, what's the premise? I mean, the, obviously we're talking about the premise, but what? Why would somebody want to pick that up? Or what's your desire for it? I'm sure you had one saying, "I'm writing this because I want." Yeah. Well, first of all, with the way this last year has gone, you know, I know people facing adversity with coronavirus and being quarantined. It's challenging on them. Um, you know, I just want people to know that no matter what they go through in life, they're going to be faced with challenges. It doesn't have to define them or pull them away from their vision and their dreams and who they really want to be. Um, we can go through some really extreme situations and persevere. So I wanted to illustrate me going to prison and how I was able to use that to my advantage to better myself. But the bigger message is that, you know, as a kid, as an adolescent, I, I allowed fear and self-doubt to dictate my decision-making. And it kept me frozen in place. I didn't take the actions I wanted. So I didn't get the results I, I really wanted in my life. And I, I lost myself in that process. I went to prison, a place where nobody wants to be. And I simply became so aware that I could start listening to my intuition, follow my heart, to take action, to be the man I wanted to be, to be sober, to educate myself, to be physically fit, and just to be a good person. You know, And I did that in there. And it opened up a whole new world of possibilities for me. So, you know, anybody that feels like they're stuck or struggling, chances are they're allowing that fear-based mentality to dictate their decision-making and their behaviors. And if we start following our heart and listen to that intuition that you have, you can massively transform your life in a very short period of time by following through with actions to reinforce those desires, not the fear that we reinforce through inaction. That's awesome, man. Again, everyone, the book is Prison of Your Own. That's available on Amazon, yeah? Pretty much everywhere, I would guess. Yeah, Amazon's the easiest way to get a hold of it. Nice. That's awesome, my man. And if you want to follow Sean, go to seanmichaelcrane.com. That's S-E-A-N, not S-H-A-W-N, S-E-A-N, michaelcrane.com. Brother, thank you. You've inspired me today and gave me some good insight. Yeah, I appreciate you having me here, man. I really do. You bet, brother. What's shaking? Thank you for joining me on the All In Podcast. Click the subscribe button and smash that bell for notifications. Text me, 312-535-8520. Follow me on social media, at Mr. Rick Jordan. See you next episode. I am Rick Jordan, and I approve this message.